Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. Hey there, Badlanders. Get ready for some groundbreaking... Are you concerned about the $6 trillion at stake in the upcoming 2024 election? The Wall Street Journal has reported a critical issue. The looming decision on extending tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025. Republicans advocate for extending Trump's tax cuts, while the Democrats lean towards letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners, corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not, there's a way to protect yourself from this impending threat. Join the thousands of hardworking Americans who are taking proactive steps to safeguard their savings. Visit BadlandsGold.com to claim your free 2024 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for. You may even qualify for up to 10% back in bonus silver. But hurry, supplies are limited. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Act now and diversify to shield your savings against the uncertainties ahead. Get your free 2024 gold and silver kit today at BadlandsGold.com and take control of your financial destiny. Lord Jacob Rothschild is dead at 87. We'll get into that today. Ron DeSantis to sign a bill into law allowing the release of Jeffrey Epstein's grand jury documents, something we were hearing about recently. Allegations of sex abuse by Chicago pool system, uh, school systems, excuse me, up to 12% over the past year, according to lawyers, which is absolutely obscene. Disney's new X-Men character is going to feature non-binary and a whole bunch of other little rapids we'll get through. What you got for us today, Ryan? We got Big Rana McDaniel says she'll be resigning as the Republican National Committee chairwoman after Super Tuesday. Uh, the FBI and Homeland Security are urgently investigating this AT&T outage as a potential cyber attack. And then, uh, like a war zone, farmers surround EU headquarters building. We're going to show you some footage of that. It's quite remarkable. And then we got a little deep dive on the situation in Ukraine and the desperate attempts to make it relevant again. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are Vigilant News. I'm Justin. This is Ryan. We're the hosts and founders of Vigilant News. Don't forget to check out Vigilant.News for the show notes today. You can also look in the description. And I put it as a comment as well in the video for anybody who's catching the recording after it's played live. So uh, we got a lot to cover today. A lot of good things happening. Uh, how was your weekend, Ryan? Not bad. Nice relaxing weekend here yeah. in sunny Georgia. Uh, spent the whole time writing this article that just came out at one o'clock on Badlands uh, Substack. That's right. Uh, we'll get into some of the stuff covered in that later on. Uh, also, if you haven't already, check out the interview I did with Floyd Brown, the founder of the Western Journal. He had uh, some movie he wanted to talk about, um, a few other topics. It was it was a good interview. It's a couple of weeks out now, so. We recorded it the day after the Vladimir Putin interview. So in the in the interview, I say he, he talks about last night. So, you know, it's it's kind of like out, out always back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the interview. So, yeah, it was a good one. It was a nice one. It was good to talk to Floyd. I did it alone because, you know, Justin was slacking off. I know doing the whole sickness thing, you know, so what can you do? But shameful. Uh, I know. So, yeah, check out that interview. This is the article that Ryan was just mentioning, by the way, everybody. So I also put that in the uh, chat. And I'll go ahead and pop it as a comment so you guys can read it. It's a really awesome deep dive. He was talking to me about a lot of the stuff that he was putting in. And it's 
pretty damn extensive. It might be one of the most extensive deep dives out there right now. So that's pretty cool. And then, I mean, how can you not enjoy, uh, what is it, zombie Nelvaney over here? Yeah, yeah I've been <laughs> doing these AI prompts for the images for all of my substacks and typed in zombie Navalny. Mm-hmm. And that's what came up. I mean, there was a lot of images that were pretty bad. So this is the best of, of the, the litter. But uh, yeah, I just love it. I think it's hilarious. Well, um, before we get into the show, I see a few people asking already how I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm feeling a lot better. Every day is getting better and better. I'm getting my strength back, which is good because all I could do was sit around on my butt for three and a half weeks. So I'm getting my muscles back. I'm jumping upstairs, all, all the great things that <laughs> I used to do up beforehand. So about uh, twenty backflips for springs out of bed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cradle roll out the out the second story window. Hands on both feet. Yeah, yeah. You know, doing wax on wax off the whole deal. So, so yeah. All right. Let's get into some uh, news today. So let's start with your list of. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Ease into stuff here. First, we have the sad departure announcement from Big Rana. Otherwise known as Ronna McDaniel, she's the unpopular chairwoman of the RNC currently, has been since 2017, I believe. Uh, we kind of knew something like this was coming down the pike. People thought it would happen after the South Carolina uh, primary, but it's now official that it will come after Super Tuesday. Uh, so John Solomon's Just the News reports, quote, there was a report indicating that McDaniel would resign after the South Carolina Republican presidential primary, which former President Donald Trump won on Saturday over former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. Trump had reportedly met with McDaniel earlier this month to discuss recommendations for the RNC. And basically, yeah, I can imagine how that meeting went. I like to think Trump brought her in and did the whole apprentice, you're fired, you know, that whole bit to her. And then pull the lever and like the floor yeah. dropped out from under her. Like <laughs> Nickelodeon goo fell on her or something like that. <laughs> so, you know, naturally, uh, I, and this is just speculation, maybe this won't happen, but I can totally picture her becoming another one of these pundits that ends up on every major news network out there bashing Donald Trump, giving her insider testimony of what it was like behind the scenes, how awful Donald Trump was. You know, I can hear, I can see it now. Uh, you know, she might even get a, a spot on the view for all we know, or, you know, she'll just fade into obscurity like she should gracefully. I, you know, I don't know. Either way, she, she didn't do a good job and now she's gone. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, who takes her place. Any thoughts on that? I will just that, you know, I, I wonder how much of, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's roasting contributed to her leaving. Um, I, I am, I don't know to what extent she, just was like a card-carrying member of the, the uh, um, neocon establishment while she was at her term. And she's been the RNC chair for, what, like six years or something like that? I know it's been a quite yeah, some time. Yeah, since 2017, so yeah. longer, seven, almost seven, yeah, six years. But clearly she hasn't mobilized the RNC to do anything more than just kind of do what it's always done, at least in my opinion. So, you know, I'm glad to see her go. I'm not necessarily going to hold my breath on anyone better coming into the the seat or position, but who knows? We'll see what happens. It's almost like there was a whole infrastructure in the Republican Party, like establishment Republicans, if you will. And mm-hmm. Ronald McDaniel is just another one of them. Yep. Absolutely. So this one's going to be relevant to a lot of you folks out there. <clears throat> so last Thursday... AT&T customers got a small taste of what infrastructure failure looks and feels like 
I was affected being an AT&T user myself. There was a disruption in service for a few hours. It was on Thursday. On my end, I was still able to use my smartphone for the most part. I mean, no one ever calls me. I don't call anybody. So I'm just fumbling around on apps. So it didn't really, you know, affect me too much. But, you know, people are addicted to their technology, especially phones. So naturally, this created a frenzy. Uh, <clears throat> it begs the question, though, if we are going to see this much panic for an outage of phone service, just imagine what it would look like if we had a major cyber attack on our infrastructure. Okay. So, you know, if we're to heed the premonitions of our betters over in Davos, uh, it's something that may well come down the pike here soon. So we have a clip, actually. It's in the Vigilant News um, top secret telegram. If you could pull that up. Absolutely. Uh, of, of one of our such betters, uh, the high priest of globalist technocracy, Klaus Schwab. Oh, this guy. <laughs> okay. Talking about just that. All right. We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use mm. the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. Wow. Cyber pandemic. I like that term. It's like mm -hmm. it's like it calls back to COVID a little bit, but now it's gonna be cyber. It's like it's like a double whammy. So yeah, here we go, profit or not profiteer, proselytizing and pro making prophetic statements about what's gonna happen. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, I mean this is the same crowd that in October of 2009 had the uh, what was it uh, event 201, where basically all the richest people in the world got to see exactly what it would be like. If the world, you know, was affected by a major pandemic, so that they could act accordingly, lo and behold, a few months later, that exact thing happens, and the only people prepared for it are the people that were there. So uh, I bring that pandemic simulation up because in recent years, the World Economic Forum has been running uh, another type of simulation, and that is the simulated cyber attack. They've done two of these, to my knowledge, in the last couple of years, and there's been a steady flow of articles over the last year, you know, mentioning Russian hackers did this, Iranian hackers did that. Uh, now we have this AT&T situation and they're calling it a cyber attack. Wow. So, so all that is to say that there's a, a probable connection here between the narrative seeding that's been happening and then what happened last Thursday uh, with AT&T. Mm -hmm. So it's not baseless conjecture and I'll show you that right now. So Regarding the service outage, here we have an article from the Daily Mail where they said, quote, federal agencies are urgently investigating whether the massive cellular outage that plagued Americans on Thursday was a cyber attack. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Department of Homeland Security are on the hunt to track down the disrupted service, 
to track down what disrupted the service for AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and a dozen other cellular providers. While the agencies have not shared details, a security expert told Daily Mail the outage has the hallmarks of a hack. Uh, it was who Lee McKnight, associate professor at Syracuse University in New York, said the widespread nature appears to be, quote, a massive distributed denial of service attack on the core Internet infrastructure. So you have the FBI, the DHS, this major publication and this, you know, this person. What, how do they describe them uh, as a expert, a security expert? You just got to inject this narrative in there that it has all the hallmarks of a cyber attack. It's like, you know, they could easily just have written an article and said, we don't know what it was. But instead, they got this expert, and then they say, oh, it's got all the hallmarks of a cyber attack. They went that extra mile for a reason, you know? So any thoughts? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you know, talk about, like, a long con. Like, you know, you get society horribly dependent on technology, you shift away all of the control of our infrastructure to hyper-centralized systems. So in other words, you know, where does our electricity come from? It comes from centralized systems, big giant power plants, which I, interestingly enough, most of the electricity that is generated at these massive power plants gets lost in transmission, literally like 80, 90%. So it's totally inefficient. If these people really cared about climate change and stopping, you know, overuse of power generation, you'd think we'd have a totally different society where in every neighborhood you had some type of micro power center that could generate all the electricity that's needed for that neighborhood, which is totally doable, by the way. And if anything ever happened, no problem. Everybody still got electricity. Well, we don't do that. We don't build houses that are hyper energy efficient, where some portion of the house is actually air cooled through solid state cooling techniques, meaning Instead of having that, instead of having your house be cooled and warmed by having some amount of the air flow through the, the um, below the surface, which is around 50, 60 degrees on average, we have these houses that are stuck mostly above ground. And the we have these massive air conditioners that require tremendous amounts of electricity. So it's horribly inefficient at just the consumer house level. Then imagine that all being scaled up all throughout. And what it does is it creates a long con. And the long con is basically this. When we want to implode society and reboot it for our benefit, we can easily do so. We can do it through exposure to things like solar flares, which apparently HARP can not only be used to protect against solar flares and the effects that it can have on our power grid, but it can also be used to do the reverse, make our power grid more susceptible to these things. Or you can have a situation where a cyber attack comes and takes out massive forces of the cyber grid, uh, the the grid, just like our buddy Klaus Schwab was just talking about. And do you think these guys don't know what's happening? I mean, no, they, they'll plan these things just like they planned COVID, just like they planned 9-11, just like they planned a, a litany of other different things over the past 150 years. So it is a massive long con, in my opinion. And, you know, hopefully people are smart enough to, uh, to see what's the writing on the wall and do something about it. I'm trying to go back. I wrote an article this fall, maybe it was even as far back as the summer, where uh, it was all about cyber attacks on the infrastructure. We covered it on the show, actually. Mm. And one thing that we noticed that as we were like researching for it was like how many back doors are just wide open for them to attack yeah. these things. Uh -huh. And like, yeah, so so it's like it, it's not 
it's not as if it's going to be a, a difficult thing for them to pull off if they wanted to Absolutely. do an attack on the uh, on the grid because they're constantly reminding us how easy it is. <clears throat> yep. All right, so we got some MSNBC fun and games here. This is this is this uh, the one I think it is. No, no, we got a different one. Another one, yeah. Maybe uh, pretty sure it was in there. If you can go to yeah, I'll pull it up. I gutted that one. You got it. There is another. Okay. There is another Breitbart article in there. It's all about. Pardon me. What was it called? Uh, it's the one that says. Oh no, it's totally gone. Hmm. To MSNBC News. So it, do you remember the title? Yeah, it's not Breitbart. Let me see if I can find it. Bear with us, folks. Right, hold on a second. Why did it get cut? Too much news flying around for us to keep track of all the time. <laughs> So, uh, get it real quick unless I. I'll tell you what, while you're doing that, I'll just cover one of the um, ones I'm doing, unless you can pull yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go do, do that. That's, okay, that's okay. a good idea. So, uh, so, I don't know if you guys heard this. If, by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Ryan and I's Telegram channel, Ryan has a Telegram channel. Awesome. He's putting all sorts of cool stuff in there all the time. I have a Telegram channel. So I'm putting that cool stuff in there all the time. And one of the things I put in there was this. This is a guy from um, uh, a chief apparently in Ukraine has been talking about, or I'm sorry, I think it's NATO actually, so this chief comes in. So let's go ahead and play this video. And we are deepening our political ties to the NATO Ukraine Council, where we consult and make decisions together. Okay. Ukraine will join NATO. It is not a question of if, but of when. As we prepare you for that day, NATO will continue to stand with Ukraine for your security and for ours. So there you go, everybody. Um, I mean, this isn't necessarily big news. We've known about the idea that they wanted to, that Ukraine was going to try to be ushered into NATO for a long time. But here we have a major announcement that, you know, it, it accomplishes a couple different things, I would say. one. It makes people at the mainstream, like both the same people watch CNN and these kind of things who are hanging out in airports because that's apparently where CNN is most popular. Uh, they, you know, feel bolstered by this because an official organization is effectively endorsing, you know, Ukraine's participation in NATO. But it also sends a shot across the bow to Putin, as we saw with the Tucker interview that was released a few weeks ago. Which you haven't seen, go. I would definitely check it out. Um, it, you know, this issue with NATO and Ukraine being ushered into NATO was not a small thing. The 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 Russians have been very patient, if we're to take Putin's word for it. Which, in my research, I I don't see anything he's saying that is not necessarily correct. Seems like all the stuff he's been talking about is right. And you want to talk about a big news campaign to to ruin a man? That what that's a big one. So anyway, we got this. Uh, this is pretty big news. Any commentary on this one? Yeah, this goes hand in hand with the kind of deep dive we're going to do here in a little bit, which you know, as is is, I would title it a a desperate attempt to make Ukraine relevant again. Uh, and just to give you a teaser, um, the oh, I sent you that article by. Oh, yeah, I'm pulling it up right uh, now. <laughs> um, the my entire history of observing politics, there's there's been a, there's several rules that I've noticed are constants. One of those is that when the military-industrial complex wants something, it gets it. 
And the exception to that rule beyond, you know, what happened during the Trump presidency is this $60 billion that is being held up in the Senate, five months or in Congress, it passed the Senate in Congress for, for five months now. That's remarkable because it's really been one multi-billion dollar bill after another ever since the outbreak of this conflict until now. And we'll get into why that is, what's holding it up, and why I think this sudden this news about Ukraine joining NATO is meant to provoke Russia. It's meant to really just get that that 60 billion that's obviously not going to go and make Ukraine win the war, become unstuck to go into the pockets it needs to go into, basically. Yep, 100%. All right, so let's take a look at this NBC article you were talking All right, about. Okay, here. so it turns out it was Zero Hedge. It was not Breitbart. <clears throat> but, you know, so what matters here is MSNBC. We have the spin doctors at MSNBC hard at work trying to downplay Trump's victory in South Carolina. Like this is what we'll see here in this clip is them trying to water it down as it was happening, which is funny because the marquee down below keeps saying Trump projected winner. And they're sitting there talking about how much of a disaster it is for Donald Trump. Uh, so as per the article, quote, Lawrence O'Donnell and other pundits chimed in during MSNBC's coverage of the South Carolina primary to make the argument that Donald Trump's crushing 20-point lead over establishment favorite Nikki Haley in her home state is actually a disastrous result that will lead to his defeat in the November presidential election. So here we have a clip of, of just that. All right, here we go. 37% who voted... Haley, who would they vote for in a general election? Lawrence needs to wait. I mean, this is like your sweet spot. How is Joe Biden so looking at this numbers, 37%? These numbers are disastrous for Donald Trump. Disastrous. Okay. That's the reason I mentioned that the big forgotten number of South Carolina, which is Joe Biden getting 96%. Okay. That's what you're supposed to get. All right. And Donald Trump's not going to come close to that. Donald Trump's going to leave 30 percent. I don't know. 25 percent, whatever it is. Of 37 percent. Well, well, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what the result of this election is tonight. But it, it's going to be a very substantial number. It could be a third of the vote. He's going to leave that on the table belonging to another candidate. All you need, all you need is 5% right. of the 30%. Yeah. We're talking about a sliver. Yep. That's all you need to not vote for Donald Trump of, of this representative kind of voter in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Georgia. And so th these are yeah. disastrous voting results for Donald Trump in the general election. Well, not South Carolina. He's, he's going to win South of Carolina. Course. But that voter in the Haley vote package is represented in New Hampshire, is represented in these other states, and is represented in all the other swing states, Wisconsin. You need a tiny slice of them and 10,000 of them. What is he talking about? He's just <laughs> trying to sound intelligent for the few deranged souls who still watch this. Right. Uh, so, right. you know, it's, it's very reminiscent of the rhetoric you saw during the 2016 election, right up to the moment where Donald Trump secured the White House, they were saying, oh, this is a disaster. He's going to lose. This is never going to happen. You remember those montages that came out oh, yeah. of the people following the election night 2016, mm -hmm. where they're like slowly becoming more and more disheveled as the night goes <laughs> on, realizing <laughs> the inevitable is coming? Uh, it, it just great. it reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. You love to see it. Yep. You know, at this point, all they're doing is catering to the crowd of individuals who have completely broken with reality that continue to be reassured by the constant stream of lies coming from networks like MSNBC.
Mm-hmm. Any additional commentary on that? I, I mean, you said it. Uh, the, the, these guys are spin doctors. They're scrambling to try to gain control of the narrative. They are, they are trying to do what they've always done when Trump's been in, in a position of power since 2015, which is trying to make it seem like he's not as popular as he actually is. Because they, that's a critical component of the election fraud, whatever they're going to have coming up. And frankly, I think it's so bad that they probably won't try to do something major. But uh, tattooed teacher, uh, it was it was Shank Uger uh, who was in that montage, just losing yeah. his mind <laughs> over the course of that. It was so good. Oh, uh, it was great. Yeah. I really hope we get something as enjoyable as that. But my gut feeling tells me this is not going to be an election like the ones we're used to. Whatever. You know, we got a cyber attack maybe coming down the pike. World War Three's cooking up. You know, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who knows what the hell is going to happen this year? I saw somebody in the chat saying that they believe something positive will happen regarding the Ukraine war by Easter. Yeah, I, I sure hope so because, you know, they're pulling 35, 40, 50 year olds off buses in Ukraine to go to the front lines to fight a war that they don't even want to be fighting. So yeah, I really hope bad. something happens. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do we got next? Uh, Mr. Yeah. Burns himself. Oh, no, we got the farmers. Isn't that one yours? Uh, it could be. Yeah, we got uh, the, the, farmers. the farmers surround the EU headquarters. That's a, That one is, I am pretty positive it's a Breitbart article. Okay. This might be have, I might have been clicked on the wrong one. Okay. Uh, yeah, those are all for the deep dive here. So yeah, yeah, okay. You might just, might just want to go to the left. I'll go to the Yeah, yeah. Here we go. All right. Like farmers, like a war zone, he says. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what do we got? So, yeah, speaking of things you love to see, the beast farmers of Europe have been taking it to the decidedly globalist EU. Uh, as per Zero Hedge, the mephitis of manure, the melting tires, malodorous tear gas, pervaded downtown Brussels this Monday morning as angry farmers encircled the European Union's headquarters. This protest coincides with a meeting of the bloc's agricultural ministers, the farmers are expressing their anger over the EU's disastrous green policies. And check out some of these clips. Oh, man. Did these you see it earlier? I have. Yeah, I've been watching it. They're just killing it. Farmers are like, look at this. It's like war This looks like worse than some of the footage I've seen of Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, and, and I'm actually kind of shocked that they're, they're letting the farmers do this. But it makes me think that, like, there's so little support for... Uh, the globalists out there that they can just like totally clean house with the globalists. Yeah. Another one. Mind you, these same farmers were literally covering these EU buildings and other official institutions with new for like for months. Yeah. So the farmers are just killing it. Uh, here we go. We get another one. Oh, those freaking tractors. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they're putting hay down instead of manure. It's like getting caught in the wind and blowing <laughs> all over the place. I love it, dude. Oh, man. Nice farmers. Just like the truckers, man. 
this is just completely spread across the Western Bloc. We've seen the same kind of civil unrest, like Justin was mentioning, in Holland, Germany, France, Italy, where they were spraying the, the buildings with manure, Spain. And now these EU officials are, you know, who, these people who are just used to taking orders from on high keep passing the hot potato back and forth without really doing anything to quell the situation. That's why mm -hmm. these farmers are just sick of it. Which, you know, it's almost as if they, the deep Western establishment, or whatever's left of it, they just don't care what happens to the greater West anymore. They, they just, you know, one of the reasons these guys are so pissed is because they're removing tariffs from Ukraine and they're trying to make Ukraine, you know, be like the sole provider of food. And these farmers are, are getting like hit with all of these climate restrictions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm starting to wonder if this is what it looks like when the head, like we've so often said, when the head gets cut off the snake and the body doesn't know what to do anymore, uh, that could be it because, you know, there's, there doesn't seem to be any attempts to work with these people. The farmers end up getting populist candidates elected in whatever country that they're, they're doing their protests in. You know, honestly, if they keep getting populist candidates in office around the world like this, and then Trump secures the White House, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of these globalist institutions just go the way of the dodo. Hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say on that? No, that just that the, you know, there are, there's this belief that these, these globalists are so monolithic, so massive, so entrenched, that there's nothing we can really do. And if, so, you know, not to say that these guys aren't organized, but just to, to compare, like, you know, within a few short months, these farmers managed to get mobilized sufficiently enough to basically completely shut down massive portions of the globalist empire just with their tractors. And, you know, they, they seem to be doing it in a way that clearly draws a line in the sand. Like one of the reasons why, if anybody's ever seen the movie Gladiator, to invoke my inner burning bright here to get some story time in, um, one of the reasons why it was so dangerous for, uh, I forget the name of the character, but Russell Crowe's character who wins over the crowd as a result of his superior competition is because a competition naturally exposes in, uh, a whole bunch of different things that can move political sentiment from one person to another. And when you're running a tyranny, when you're running a totalitarian state, there's no way to sell the people on it. Nobody wants slavery. Nobody wants totalitarianism. Nobody wants corruption. So when you have people actually take the time to put some skin in the game and compete against these guys and expose these people for who they are, you can win over massive proportions of the population. And I would even wager a lot of the police that are out there supposedly trying to stop the farmers are rooting for them secretly. I would not be surprised. So oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. All right. So uh, now I, we got this deep dive. Unless you want to do it at a different point. No, no. Go for it. Okay. So arguably the biggest story that is being parroted and commodified by the corporate media these last couple of weeks is the death of Russian opposition leader, Alexei Navalny. And I will probably mispronounce his name repeatedly because I have like this thing that just keep calling him <laughs> Navalny. Is it it's it's not Navalny. Navalny? I keep calling him uh, there's another word. I'm sure I'll say it, but there's something yeah. I keep mispronouncing and I caught myself while I was writing it over and over again. But uh, I think it's worth asking why in a time where there are no shortage of domestic issues, our media institutions are dedicating so much time and energy to the death of a foreign activist is really what he was. 
So, you know, in case you missed it, if you don't have the backstory, Alexei Navalny, who was cast as basically the West's answer to Vladimir Putin, the same West who loves to install their own people in various countries of the world, uh, he died in a Russian prison under what was previously considered extremely mysterious circumstances uh, and, of course, the most fortuitous timing. Uh, since then, as an update, it has been announced that he apparently died of a blood clot. Go figure. Which you know, what it wouldn't it be crazy if that was like the Russians helping seed the COVID vaccines are dangerous narrative. <laughs> I mean, that's a way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. one way to do it. Yeah. So, uh, our readers understand that there is much more to the mainstream media today than simply turning a profit. Rather than informing the public, the primary function of the media today seems to be shaping civil discourse. Uh, cable news anchors could be seen less as journalists, more as social engineers, really. So there's a quote I wanted to mention that's relevant to this whole story. It comes from political scientist Bernard C. Cohen from his 1963 book, The Press and Foreign Policy. Uh, I believe it's worth mentioning this quote here. He said, quote, the press may not be successful much of the time in telling people what to think, but it is stunningly successful at telling its readers what to think about. Mm. And so what is so significant about Alexei Navalny's death that it merits dominating American political and media discourse? Why is it this instance of a dissident dying in prison is any more relevant than when it occurs in U.S. friendly places like Saudi Arabia or Egypt? Or Ukraine, which we just saw an American die in Ukrainian prison, and the media didn't have anything to say about it. So the answer, the reason why this is just being screamed from the rooftops from every talking head in America is because there's $60 billion on the line right now. So in a nutshell, the story goes, he died in Russian prison. The Russian government claims that his death uh, you know, was mysterious, it was an accident. Didn't, they, it wasn't something that they carried out. Uh, they claimed that he was guilty of embezzlement, uh, extremist activities, which could be vague. Uh, and then you've got the Biden administration saying that the only reason he's in jail is because he's being politically persecuted. He's actually a saint that would never hurt a fly, never done a bad thing in his life. So, you know, you got to, are you going to trust the Russian government or the Biden administration? You know, yeah. it's like. It's, it's, it's tough to pick in that situation, but I think I would go with Russia at this point. So Joe Biden himself has gone so far as to claim that Russian President Vladimir Putin and his thugs are responsible for Navalny's death. So here we have that clip, if you want to play it. And it's rough. He's not doing you know, like millions of people around the world. I'm literally both not surprised and outraged by the news reported death of Alexei Navalny. He bravely stood up uh, to the corruption, the violence, and the, the, all, the, all the bad things that the Putin government was doing. In response, <laughs> Putin had him poisoned, he had him arrested, he had him prosecuted for fabricated crimes, he sentenced him to prison, he was held in isolation. Even all that didn't stop him from calling out Putin's lies. Even in prison, he was a powerful voice for the truth, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. Reports of his death, if they're true, and I have no reason to believe it or not, Russian authorities are going to tell their own story. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. Putin 
is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. Oh. What has happened to Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. Sir, first, was this an assassination? The answer is that we don't know exactly what happened, but there is no doubt that the death of Navalny was the consequence of something that Putin and his, and his thugs did. So we don't know what happened, but we can guarantee you it was Putin. Yeah. Hmm. And you know, Biden wouldn't lie to you. Uh, yeah. So you know, it's <laughs> worth mentioning that it is completely tactically illogical for Vladimir Putin to order an attack on his opposition right now. Uh, you know, but for argument's sake, for the rest of this little deep dive, let's assume the Western narrative is accurate. And before we go any further, there was a video that just was released. I think when was this today? Yeah, earlier today. Earlier today, breaking report: Intel chief from Ukraine confirms Alexei Navalny died from a blood clot. So we'll just play a little bit of this report. So there you go. That's from the press conference, right there. Now maybe that's total BS too. We just really don't know. Right. Uh, but anyway, again, for the sake of argument, we're just going to assume that Biden's, you know, thing is, is correct. It, it, like he, he Putin had him executed for whatever reason. Uh, the question still remains, why is the Western media reporting so heavily on this man's death? What's the angle? Well, as I said, I think a good place to start would be the 60 billion dollars for Ukraine that is currently being held up in Congress. So. Ever since the war broke out in Ukraine, it's been one multi-billion dollar uh, aid package after another, just a stream of them. And, you know, <clears throat> that has, for the first time, stopped ever since Mike Johnson took over as Speaker of the House. Now, I personally, I have mixed feelings about Mike Johnson. I want to like him. There's some things that he did that I'm like, come on, man, I wish you wouldn't have done that. There's some priorities that I think I, I uh, different priorities that I have that he seems to have. Um, but he has so far kept his word that there would be no spending packages approved until the border was secured. And then any further aid to Ukraine would be offset, it would have to be offset by spending cuts. So, you know, unsurprisingly, the Republicans in Congress's hopes were, well, some of the Republicans' hopes to secure the border were dashed upon the rocks when this bipartisan bill sponsored by the establishment Republican and shambling corpse Mitch McConnell uh, came through. It was terrible. They said, you know, it was so bad it was dead on arrival. You know, it passed the Senate miraculously, if, you, if in case you were wondering where the Senate GOP's loyalties lie. Uh, it did not pass the House. So anyway, the fact that this bill has been essentially stopped, the one to fund Ukraine, for five months is remarkable to me. As somebody, like I said, who's I've been paying attention to the political mechanics of this country now for a little while. I've noticed that there are certain rules to the snake pit, namely that when the military industrial complex wants something, it gets it. Rarely do, does it get any opposition. It's certainly not getting any opposition for the Democrat Party, which are just the neocons of yesteryear at this point. They have no, there's no distinguishable foreign policy difference between the Democrats of today and the Republicans of the Bush era. So, you know, $60 billion, that's a lot of money to be just kind of hanging in the balance for so long. With no oversight, that money could end up in a lot of different pockets. Uh, 
uh, now we suddenly have the death of Navalny, and right on cue, we have all of the corporate talking heads just paying lip service to his death. Like it was the most important thing that has ever happened in the history of America for some reason. Uh, so, you know, here's some re sobering reality to consider for those of us who are trying to surmise what's really behind this story. Uh, we just saw Western leaders, including Kamala Harris, meeting at meeting in Munich for the Munich Security Conference. Uh, as you might have guessed, there's a sense of panic that the Americans are not going to be able to deliver on this $60 billion. Uh, was that it? Uh, this one right here? No, no, you, that was good. So, yeah, no, go back. Sorry, that is the one. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this is a good one. So this this comes, the Munich Security Conference, the $60 billion being suspended in limo. It all, it all comes as Russia has just obtained its most significant victory in the war over the last year by taking the city of Adivka, uh, a city that has great strategic value as far as cutting off supply lines to Ukraine. It's certainly the biggest change in the front line that has taken place in the last half a year or more, year, I think. Uh, you might recall over this last year, the mainstream media's desperate attempts to assure us all that there's a stalemate, that Ukraine and Russia, they're just equally, you know, duking it out. Uh, but this is this recent victory kind of destroys that narrative. You know, they've clearly been tasked, the MSM, to keep alive this idea that Ukraine might actually win somehow. There's never any real discussion about how that's possibly going to happen, but you know they got to keep that idea alive. But it's a charade that's got to be getting harder and harder to keep up as time goes on. So uh, we actually got a Politico article last week regarding the Munich Security Council. Politico wrote, and just keep an eye out for all of that awesome war propaganda we love, quote, attendees of the Munich Security Conference we're worried about Ukraine's prospects against Russia and American commitment to Kyiv. Four American senators recounted a story Ukrainian officials told them at the Munich Security Conference where a soldier in a muddy trench with Russian artillery exploding nearby, scrolling on his phone for signs that the U.S. House would approve military aid. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's so Hollywood-esque. It's like you can picture a young... Uh, Timothy Calumet, you know, cast as the downtrodden Ukrainian soldier, weeping as he scrolls through his phone in a trench. You know what I mean? Like, please, I hope Mike Johnson passes this bill because this sixty billion dollars is going to turn the tides of this war. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. But the article continues. Quote: Many politicians and officials used the moment to press that Ukraine would lose the war without this sixty billion in U.S. military aid, waiting a vote in the House. Uh, they say Ukraine is low on ammunition and infantry. The decade-long stronghold of Avdivka, uh, Avdivka, Avdivka fell to the Russians over the weekend, giving the Kremlin its first major conquest since May, before Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky changed leadership at the top of the country's military generals, insisted the president had to mobilize 500,000 more troops to keep pace with a larger, still stronger Russian force that appears willing to take massive casualties. Uh, well, the thing is, is that Russia is an enormous country. It can afford to keep sending soldiers to Ukraine. Ukraine has to force its people to fight. 
You know, so there's that. Russia is capable of producing more ammunition than even all of NATO combined can at this point. So can Ukraine ever win? I mean, we've rehashed on this show and many other shows on Badlands all of the reasons why Ukraine cannot win this. And you know who else understands that Ukraine can't win? The deep state, the Western establishment, the security state. They are not stupid. So the, the question really is, if Ukraine cannot win, and they're even admitting it, then where is this money going? And what is its real purpose? You know, uh, back to Navalny, just when the optics regarding Ukraine had reached their, I'd say their absolute lowest point, you had the media saying that, even conceding that it's not going well. Uh, Alexei Navalny dies in a Russian prison. (laughs) All news, global and domestic, now must take a back seat to the ceaseless hagiography and canonization of the great hero, Navalny. Honoring the dead is one thing, and especially when it's a political dissident who dies in jail, I mean, that's something that, you know, we need to pay attention to these kind of things. But this has gone far beyond simply paying respects. So as per AP last week, quote, Navalny's death shows Putin's complete ruthlessness and disdain for the Western and international opinion, said Nigel Gold Davies, a former British ambassador to Belarus and senior fellow for Russia and Eurasia at the International Institute for Strategic Studies in London. So another member of the think tank class. Russia announced Navalny's death on Friday, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, isn't that timing just so interesting? You've got, you know, the Tucker Carlson interview just provided a platform for Putin to articulate his position to Western audiences for the first time, as far as I know, in the media. Uh, a move that has, you know, I think maybe gotten some some people more sympathy for Putin. Uh, and so now, in the wake of that, and in the wake of, you know, all of the rhetoric that has been increasing in the American mainstream against Putin because of that interview, why would he go and have his political rival executed in prison? You know, it, it's a move that would completely ruin all of the positive optics that he's had over the last few weeks. So, you know, it makes about a, as much sense as Russia blowing up its own pipeline to me. Uh, you know, Navalny is often cast as Putin's primary competition, but it's not as if he had a significant percentage of the country's support. His approval at its height barely cracked the double digits, and those might be inflated polls. Additionally, he's been incarcerated for three years, and that that period has been lengthened recently. Uh, And he's in a prison near the Arctic, way out of sight and out of mind. This man poses no threat to Vladimir Putin. Why now would he choose to have him executed? It doesn't make any sense. It's completely preposterous, not to mention... Putin is currently experiencing a rally around the flag kind of moment. As you can see in these the Statista statistics, look at that approval rating. So yeah. if you can't tell, the lighter blue is his approval rating in Russia. And, it, and it's at an all-time high just about. So we're talking like over 75%, somewhere in the 80%, 85% category. Show me a leader that's had that much approval. I, <laughs> like, I don't even know if Trump had that much approval rating. When absolutely he was, you know. not. Yeah. Uh, so as you can see, his approval in Russia is extremely high. 
So why would a man as calculating and as cautious as Vladimir Putin make a totally unhinged decision to execute a man who poses him no real threat? He's already got the whole country behind him. The dude is, is freezing in an icebox in the Arctic. It doesn't make any sense. He'd have to do so knowing that this would fuel the Western propagandist Putin's a mad dog theory, like, like uh, narrative, and it would put more pressure on Congress to authorize this aid and thereby make the whole special military operation in Ukraine a little more difficult and cost some more Russian lives, which I do think he cares about. I might be wrong. Maybe he is a mad dog. I don't know the guy. Uh, but when one considers all of these implications, the only logical assumption is that Putin and his thugs probably did not choose to murder Alexei Navalny. Uh, while it's my own conjecture here, I think it's far more likely that the Western security state, the CIA, had him iced. I, you know, I think the media blitz was already planned. I think this is all part of getting that $60 billion passed. Uh, here's some more propaganda from the AP. Quote, Putin is throwing down a gauntlet to the West. As we come up to the second anniversary of the Ukraine war, he's again testing Western resolve. Navalny's death should serve as a wake-up call to U.S. Republicans opposing the aid for Ukraine in Congress and also encourage European NATO allies to bolster their assistance as well. You know, so there you go, folks. <laughs> That's, uh, Putin uh, is just testing our resolve, I guess, by murdering a guy who poses him no real threat. You know, if only... This is the worst part about all of this. If only the media and the Biden administration would have cared half as much about the death of an actual American citizen in a Ukrainian prison that just happened. Uh, I'm referring to the tragic death of Gonzalo Lira, which I'm sure you're all quite aware of. You know, I suppose as long as it's countries that are friendly to the United States security state, it doesn't matter when you kill people in prison. Only when it's an enemy, a boogeyman that we need to fight forever. And, you know, what about Julian Assange? The U.S. government has been trying to extradite and presumably kill him or stuff him in a supermax for the rest of his life for well over a decade now. And, you know, that's fine. Let's just overlook that. This is a man who has done nothing wrong, really. Literally. Not even convicted of a crime at all. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess those instances are not as important because they don't feed the voracious appetite of the endless war machine. So... Who is this guy that the liberal corporate media seems to adore so much? In the past, Navalny has expressed what could be seen as xenophobic remarks, a term we're all familiar with. The, the left uses that term quite often. I'm not talking about a statement being taken out of context, as was often the case with Donald Trump. He, this man literally referred to immigrants as cockroaches who needed to be exterminated. Oh, I mean, you know, actually, you know, I have a clip of this if you want. Right yeah, watch this. Здравствуйте. Сегодня мы поговорим о борьбе с насекомыми. Никто из нас не застрахован от того, что в наш дом заползёт таракан. Ну или форточку залетит муха. Все мы знаем, что от мух отлично помогает мухобойка, а от тараканов тапка. Но что делать, если таракан окажется слишком велик, а муха не в меру агрессивна? Ну а в этом случае я рекомендую пистолет. So there it is, guys. You have that is the 
corporate liberal media's hero, the Time Magazine Man of the Year, probably next year, uh, talking about how immigrants are cockroaches and that all Russians should have guns so that they can kill them. That would, when you were explaining the video to me yesterday, I know it was that obvious, but it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there suggesting that Navalny was a CIA operation. Uh, I personally haven't seen anything yet that is 100% confirmation of this, but it really wouldn't surprise me. We know that the, the Western security state, the establishment, likes to install its people in different countries around the world, like they did in Myanmar. Before the coup and they did many other countries before their coups you know it's something that we've been doing for a long time we last year we featured the book uh confessions of an economic hitman which literally goes down the list of of all of the people all of the regime changes and all of the taking over of other countries that that the west has taken part in and so it, it looks to me like navalny was supposed to be a western-backed leader to replace putin so Russia now can come into the fold in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know for sure, but that's what it seems like to me. Let us know what you guys think. Either way, it's just like this media campaign has been ridiculous. And it's completely hypocritical, too. So, yep, 100%. Yeah, I, the more now that we've actually seen a substantive assessment of who this Navalny character is, it, you know, it clearly is not the person that the mainstream media is talking about. And this is a, seems like it's one of these classic examples of them manufacturing a figure for propagandistic purposes to use to try to win over some portion of the population for their warmongering agenda. And it seems like that's exactly it. That just Biden's statements alone that they're like, well, we're not really sure what happened, but I can guarantee you Putin killed this guy. I mean... When I hear statements like that, especially the way that they, they come across, it sounds like somebody in like middle school telling you that Billy like smacked this other person across the face when there's no evidence for it at all. It's just it's just a bunch of rumor milling. And that's what these guys have as their main arsenal. I mean, in my mind, seeing this from my perspective, it's like the level of desperation they're trying to 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 exert to get us to believe that Minavali was some kind of superhero and that Putin is this mad dog is so desperate, so trite, so without substance that these guys really are like at the end of their rope. At least it seems like it. So Yeah, and one of the major things, one of the major points against Putin and one of the things that proves that it's an authoritarian government over there is that he had his political opponent jailed. Well, doesn't that sound kind of familiar? Mm -hmm. Isn't there a, a Western country where that exact scenario is happening right now, where they're trying to strike the most popular candidate off the ballot and send him to prison? Right. Yeah. Total Come hypocrisy. On. Total hypocrisy. All right. Well, uh, why don't we go ahead and hear from one of our amazing sponsors? Uh, you got it pulled up. Sorry, that any wild animal. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, it's the mom. Okay. Uh, hey, buddy, we'll give you some airtime here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Aerotech. Yeah. So here's a new ad for you guys here, coming from Adlands. Quote: Tired of the endless cycle of buying and tossing these paper tree air fresheners. Enter Aerotags, where their dream was to craft a solution to this very problem. 
Aero tags are the first ever laser engraved resentable car air fresheners made right here in the good old USA. Born in the makerspace of the Cleveland Public Library, AeroTags is not just a business. It's a revolution, a testament to the American dream. They are not just about freshening your space, but about doing it better with a commitment to longevity, aesthetics, and sustainability. AeroTags are designed to last longer, look great, and reduce waste, replacing those fleeting scents with something you can count on. Don't forget to grab your Badlands Media Aero Tag, now available. We have one. They work great. Mm -hmm. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash aerotags. Spell out A-R-O-T-A-G-S, not A-R-O-W. <laughs> and use promo code BADLANDS for 10% off of your order. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash aerotags, promo code BADLANDS. And that is A-R-O-T-A-G-S. Yeah, one of the things I like about the arrow tags is that, um, you know, it comes with your own little bottle of uh, of scent, but you can use any scent you want. And, and you know, anybody who's ever gone into the mall or one of these scent shops, there's all sorts of different blends of essential oils. So you don't get those toxic Glade things that you plug into the wall. They're literally pumping out like DuPont chemicals into your house every day. Endocrine disruptors. Yeah, I mean, and then on top of it, you get your own scent that you can curate. So if you don't like the scent that it comes with the AeroTag, you can go ahead and get yourself your own scent, and it, it's great. I actually, I honestly love these things. I think they're one of the best ideas that I've seen in a while. So uh, props to you, AeroTag, and definitely grab yourself one today if you can. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, did you want to do a little showcase of the, the little man? Oh, this little, yeah. little gremlin. Come little here, gremlin. buddy. Miles. <laughs> nah, he's nah, all right, all right. He just right. wants to be in close proximity of his master, you know. That's right. Now, a bit another big announcement, guys. If you haven't already done so, please give us some support by thumbs upping this video. It is critical for our ability to maintain the show that we get good thumbs up. And if we don't get a good thumbs up, then you might get the axe, so I really appreciate yeah, all. Yeah, we'll get Navalny. <laughs> so if you haven't already done so, really appreciate the thumbs up. Go ahead and share the video uh, on your social media too. We greatly appreciate. Yeah, it. we've been hitting the leaderboard a couple times lately. Yeah. Somehow that Floyd Brown interview. <laughs> no, really, no kidding. That's yeah. awesome. All right. That's so it's all thanks to viewers like you. That's right. So I'm going to go ahead. We're going to jump over to the crop of rapids that I have curated. We won't spend too much time on this and then we'll get some um we'll have some videos i think for to close out the show so here we got one this one you know who'd have thought that mr burns himself would be <laughs> kicking the can here but it definitely is if you haven't seen this as a matter of fact maybe i should pull it up here the mr the burns mr burns uh, <laughs> jacob rothschild comparison yeah it's it's pretty uh you know, the pretty tempting, funny comparisons. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. I'm, I don't remember if there was ever a moment where Groning said, okay, yeah, look at this guy. <laughs> look, wow. Is that really him from back in the day? Wow. I think it is. Okay. So there you go. That's Mr. Burns. <laughs> that would have had to have been him in like the 80s. Yeah, it had to have been. Wow, okay. he looks like such a ghoul. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> look at that. All right. So there you go. So that's yeah. the comparison. That's like a Nosferatu looking little gremlin man. Yeah, it is go. another one. <laughs> oh, and then 
and it's been showed in one episode at some point when we were going through all the weird Balenciaga Satan stuff, talking about all that. We had that image of him with Marina Abramovic standing that, in front of that famous painting of Lucifer summoning his legions. That's right. There was another video uh, clip. I won't find it, but there was images flying around Twitter all day today talking about that. So yeah, Rothschild's dead. He's eight, dead at 87. Now, I wouldn't go and pull your champagne bottles out quite yet because there is somebody else who's going to come up the ranks and fill the seat that he left behind. Don't you worry about it. And, um, you know, that being said, man, you know, the question I always have when things like this happen is, did he really die? You know, did he potentially fake his own death so that he could get out of the limelight? I mean, so what is really going on? I don't know. I'm not saying definitively like, you know, anything like the whole, um, what is that? The Guantanamo Bay thing where all these people were killed in Guantanamo Bay and, you know, clones are running around. I'm not getting into any of that nonsense, but, um, but yeah, but uh, very interesting. One thing, like you said, let's not pop the champagne bottles yet. I think even as, as recently as, uh, you know, the Q drop, uh, he was probably, you know, like the old grandpa that's not really involved in calling the shots anymore. I think that uh, before his death, Evelyn Rothschild was, you know, probably one of the more higher ups decision makers. And now it's uh, Lynn Forrester to Rothschild, who was called out multiple times in the drops directly. Yeah. So, you know, she's still kicking, unfortunately. But mm -hmm. It definitely seems like the head is cut off the, the international deep state snake. That's right. All right, here we got another one. Ron DeSantis to sign bill into law allowing release of Jeffrey Epstein's grand jury documents from 2006 investigation. Uh, you know, I think this is awesome. I think it's interesting that Ron DeSantis was the total clammy hand, the clammy handed, you know, globalist stooge during his campaign, or at least seems like it. And and now all of a sudden that he's back out and he's just running the, the state, he seems to be doing better stuff now. I have a theory. Oh, yeah? Okay. I, I think I've mentioned it on this show before. I don't think Ron DeSantis was ever outside of Team Trump. Mm. If you think about it, I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to eat these words down the road if there's some, you know, I wouldn't bet on this, I guess. But my theory is that he was told to run against Trump by Trump or by yeah. strategizing patriots to suck up all of that establishment donor class money the Republican candidate. And then as soon as he gets it all, he completely torpedoes his campaign. It's like it was intentional. It right. was like they had to scramble and be like, well, let's try to put it behind Haley now, but it was too late. You know, they'd already like motioned in one direction. You can't easily pivot. So that's my theory. I could be totally wrong, but uh, it makes strategic sense to me. And it was genius. And then the way Trump just retired that name and now all ills are forgotten right and no matter and like they were going against each other so hard and really milking that angle i don't know it's just oh, let yeah. us know what you think but i thought it was a i thought it was a a, a tactic well you know the the tim pools of the world out there will say oh that's just nonsense conspiracy theory garbage but if you spent any time looking into the substantive cases for trump the things he's done in the media i mean look how many times he was asked to say something during his administration on the chans or on the boards, and he would say that very thing, like very frequently. I mean, that happened what at least a dozen times, two oh, dozen yeah. times. So, I mean, that there's a there's a substantive case to be made. We're not just talking out of our ass when we say Trump seems to be playing five D chess and things like this when he's 
doing his political moves. He certainly knows how to work the media. He certainly knows how to manipulate the media. And he certainly knows how to manipulate the political game to his end. And I don't think he's doing it alone. I don't think he's some necessarily, I mean, he's clearly he's intelligent, but he's not some super genius acting alone in complete isolation. I think he's working with a lot of people behind the scenes. And what you just said about DeSantis makes perfect sense. It makes way more sense than DeSantis deciding to torpedo his whole career for a total non-chance at the, the 2024 presidency. I mean, that makes no sense to me at all. Like DeSantis, you get you really that much of an idiot? I don't think so. So anyway, let us know what you think in the comments. I love that theory, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And oh, I wanted to showcase a comment I saw in the chat. This is from Faith Above says, the Christian in me praise God has mercy on his soul. Uh, Jacob Rothschild, but the patriot in me hopes he rots in hell. <laughs> I love that. All right, so let's move on to another uh, article here. Allegations of sex abuse or assault by Chicago public school staff up 12% over last year, according to lawyers. I mean, that just that there's a statistic, like year over year, that we can track how many times sexual abuse or assault happens by school staff directed against, uh, well, I, you know, I'm assuming the children here, but I shouldn't make that assumption. But just that these things happen at all is a shocking, you know, it's a shocking uh, piece of news right there. We, that shouldn't be happening. This is one of the reasons I'm such a big advocate for community-driven education. You know, ideally, if I, if I had my way, if I was a dictator in chief of the world, you know what I'd do? I'd repurpose all of our communities to where you should have some level of intrinsic investment in your community. When I say community, I don't mean like the greater community where 50,000 people live. I mean like the people of your next door neighbors. Back in the day in the 1800s, you know what we had? We had people that all knew each other that would exchange services, that would exchange food, that would trade with each other. So there was a deep entrenched sense of community where your neighbor's success was directly tied to your own. And because of that, and because we had such a, a phenomenal level of better communication and integration through things like churches, you could actually let your kids be taken care of by your neighbors without too much issue. And now what they also used to do is they used to have school systems, small, locally driven school systems, where everybody in that little community, so imagine your, your housing division where there's you know, 10, 20 houses. Imagine everybody's kids in that situation actually lived in the local area, worked in the local area, knew each other in the local area, and the school system was literally run out of somebody's uh, house in that community to where you didn't have to worry about anything because it's the very parents, the very people in that community who are taking care of it. I guarantee you none of the shenanigans we see with the Chicago public school staff would be happening. No. So. I think that's what we're going back to, honestly. <clears throat> yeah, it's certainly something I'm going to be gunning for. So. Uh, all right, let's keep moving here. We got Disney, new X-Men character, X-Men 97. I'm not really sure what that is, but cartoon oh. will feature non-binary character. Do you know what that is? The X-Men 97? Like a throwback to the X-Men. Yeah, the 90s, I guess so, maybe. yeah. It really looks like the animation looks a lot like it. It does look like a lot like it. Whatever, let him have one, I guess. Well, I mean, the reason I wanted to showcase this is this is a perfect example. You know, we we... You worked on a fantastic script for the Badlands documentary that's mm. going to be coming out here soon. Um, I have, hopefully, God willing, we can get approval for this guest 
Courtney Turner is going to come on. She's going to talk about the longstanding ties uh, between the globalist institutions and our media, that literally our media, as we know it, from day one was created to propagandize us and is used for all sorts of societal and cultural control purposes. And this is a perfect example of this. They're not, you know, they're putting this non-binary character in because they know kids and impressionable teenagers who are going through puberty, which is one of the most formative for your identity times in your life from a psychological perspective, are going to see this stuff and they're going to start to base their worldview on the fact that you can be non-binary. So this is literally like weaponized media. It's so bad, especially in the comic book industry, which is an industry I used to try to be in. I used to write comic scripts and I was partnered with a guy who just knew the ins and outs of the industry. It is just, and it has been since before this whole current culture where we're in, where everybody's gay. Every story is about a strong woman overcoming the odds or they're gay, lesbian, and, or, you know, returning Spider-Man black. It's, it's been this way for well over 10 years now. Right. And it's just like, it's lazy. You're phoning it in. You're not really putting anything of substance out there. There's, I mean, just like anime, by and large, honestly, I think a ma- huge majority of it is trash. But when the ner- when the gems come, when the really good stories come, they don't have this kind of like pandering in them. Mm-hmm. And if they do, it's it's brief and it's you know it's not like the, the focal point of the story. Right. But now it's just the whole comic book industry, as somebody said in the chat, is just inundated with lgbtq climate change race swapping you know you know for the most part race and gender swapping doesn't i mean i I know where it's coming from is like a shitty place so i don't like to see it but it doesn't bother me too much but it's the it's the reasoning behind it it's it's not because anyone's really trying to well this is going to make everything better because we did this you know it's just to pander it's just to keep keep people voting democrat really Mm -hmm. because you know once you control the culture, politics is downstream. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, normalizing mental illness, that's exactly right. Somebody said that in the chat here. Yeah. Tattoo <laughs> teacher, yeah. So there you go. So here we got an interesting one. CIA built 12 secret spy bases in Ukraine and waged shadow war for the last decade. Bombshell New York Times report confirms. I'll read a little bit of this one. On Sunday, the New York Times published an explosive and very belated full admission that the U.S. Intelli- that U.S. intelligence has not only been instrumental in Ukraine wartime decision making, but has established and financed high-tech command and control spy centers, and was doing so long prior to the February 24th invasion two years ago. Now, take, just take that little snippet that we just read and sit there for a moment and think about this. We have the U.S. intelligence apparatus effectively running in another country through shadow and subversive means. And uh, and we have the Putin interview and the Putin interview, although, you know, he kind of takes this weird meandering course to get there. The reason he gives this massive history is because he's trying to lay the context for the fact that that his country and his community has been threatened by manipulative forces for a very long time. There's another thing I want, I'm going to pull into this story, which is the um, Thomas Renz. What? Who's that is guy? Mike Benz. What's the interview? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Benz. With Mike the, Benz. Uh, yeah. The Tucker thing you were mentioning last week. Exactly. The the Mike mm-hmm. Benz interview that I I did a segment on it last week. It's a somewhat long ranting segment, just like I like to do all the time. Wow. And 
it, basically what Mike Benz was saying is that the geopolitics, first of all, there hasn't been a normal election in anywhere in the world for like 150 years, okay? So the intelligence services, before the intelligence services even existed, were manipulating political um, ties, views, cultural, manipulating culture, creating front groups. I mean, if you want an example, this is a book we've covered many times on the show called To Eliminate the Opiate. And this goes way back. This goes all the way back to the 17th and 18th century, where these same people, these same groups, the Bavarian Illuminati, all the, the offshoots, yeah, <laughs> all the offshoots, the Bund Society. I mean, there's literally like a whole cornucopia of different societies. And uh, one of them is uh, the ADL, right? I think right, the ADL yeah, is one yeah. of them. Yeah, Berith. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're all connected. And a lot of these members are, I mean, a lot of the people, the connecting tissue of all of this is red masonry, mm -hmm. interestingly enough. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, this, the, the cabal have been using subversive intelligence-like means to manipulate our views, our opinions, entrap our children, distort their views and opinions, and with that, manipulate elections from a top-down level and any political apparatus for hundreds of years. Okay? So the fact that this happens right next door to, um, you know, Vladimir Putin's country, Russia, you know, if he knows about this stuff, which I think he does, he's not an idiot. And he also knows that this war against um, freedom, we might say, has been going on for a really long time, which I think he does. If you've ever seen the Putin interviews, check him out. There's a lot to digest there. He's very careful about the way he says it. But I think there's a very strong and compelling case to be made for the fact that they're during all of this time where there basically hasn't been any real freedom for hundreds of years, there's been contingents in various countries, just like the one that I think Donald Trump is working with, that has known about the problem and has been working to try to end it and build up to a point where we're going to have our own populist kind of revolution. And with that, we're going to prevent this nonsense from ever happening again. And I think we're in the year where that is really going to start to come to a head. So, I mean, just look at all these people like we showed earlier. The farmers surrounding the EU headquarters, you know, all of these populist victories that we constantly see happening. I there's a clip we'll play later of uh, uh, Justin Trudeau trying to warn of the rise of authoritarian populism, which is this almost it's almost like a the term authoritarian populism is almost like a uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, oxymoron, right? <laughs> I mean, so I mean, and then you got. Even like it's remarkable. I found the article that oh, yeah. they, they're mentioning. Yeah, it's New York Times. Uh, it's called The Spy Wars How the CIA Secretly Helps Ukraine Fight Putin. And it's just like they tell you what they're doing. They just wow. put a like liberal comic book, Hollywood esque spin on it to make mm -hmm. it seem like it's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah and that's there it. it is. <laughs> I mean, the article, you know, you have to read it between the lines. Fortunately, I, I can't actually see any of the article. But anyway, are you signed okay. into Google? You can just, eh, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought I could, but um, just, anyway, that's it right here. This is the, the article if you yeah, want to look yeah. at it. So when you see this, don't think for a second that like the New York Times is being like, all right, well, we better just tell the truth and let everybody know that the intelligence apparatus is manipulating, you know, the, the situation in Ukraine for a long time. No, there's it's they're spinning it just like they spin everything to make it seem like there's this valiant effort by the intelligence community to stop the, the to that mad dog Vladimir Putin, you know that's what they're truly trying to do here. If you know how to read the between the lines, you can see what this article. Yeah, talking about in here. the article, as you scroll down, 
they're they they make it a point to be like it's good we should be helping ukraine because they helped us uh ukrainians also helped u.s officials pursue the russian operatives who meddled in the 2016 u.s presidential election you know so they they tell you the truth but then they use it, it is they take it as an opportunity to inject even more bs Mm-hmm. This idea that that Russia somehow swung the 2016 election, they just never got caught for it, and that it's okay because Ukraine was helping us track those bad Russians. You know what right. I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. it's all BS. It's it's just such it's ridiculous. Yeah. So you know, keep all this in mind because the as t- uh, Mike Benz was talking about in that interview, which I, I'm telling you, if you haven't seen the Mike Benz interview at least three times, you need to watch it because there's so much revealed in that interview. That is absolutely critical to understanding what's really been going on in our world for at least the past 80 years, probably more like 200 years. And one of the things that's critically important to understand is that when they say we have to defend and protect democracy, they're not talking about the government by, of, and for the people like we learned in school and civics class. They're talking about their democracy. They're talking about the deeply mind-controlled population that has been manipulated through the media and intelligence apparatuses to not have the ability to think for itself and to just follow exactly what the media tells them to do. That's what they're talking about. So anyway, all right, I'll leave it at that. Um, Crazy article there. Another article from Zero Hedge about the CIA, from the CIA to trust and safety, the Silicon Valley US Intel revolving door is bigger than you thought. Wow. So another amazing article that also helps validate and confirm what Mike Benz was talking about, which is that the internet as we know it, you know, some people like to think like, oh, the internet was like this bastion of freedom where, you know, it, it was the, the it got away from the cabal and they and it turned against them and it did to a certain extent. But the internet was created by the intelligence apparatus. It, DARPA was the thing that funded the initial internet. Um, Google was was helped funded by the intelligence apparatus and Google quickly took over everything right at an interesting time. Remember what happened when Google really kind of kind of came on the scene and there was a dot com bubble happening. I wondered what that was all about. Very interesting. So the, the reason I mentioned that is because the Internet has been used to manipulate human consciousness to effectively mind control massive swaths of the population for a really, really long time. Now, thankfully, because of positive forces in 2015, the the game changed in a way that they didn't anticipate. And now we got people like Donald Trump and the people he works for seemingly doing some amazing things to help turn the tide. But, you know, the, the fact that Silicon Valley has basically, just like the FDA when it comes to the medical institutions, has been having a revolving door with, you know, the intelligence apparatus is should be no surprise to you. That's exactly the way it was designed to work. Uh, I'm feeling a little sick. Oh, yeah. The only thing that's going to cure this sickness, this illness that has strict struck me is more thumbs up. That's right. Please, yeah. Because I'm feeling I'm feeling like I could use some thumbs up. It would make me feel a little better. <laughs> it's like I, thumbs. You know, when he gets a few thumbs up. You can just hear the gurgling just go to an end here. Yeah. <laughs> so please, please, more thumbs up for me. I break into hives. I get the cold sweats. You know, I start shaking and (laughs) I need them thumbs. That's right. Exactly. So uh, that before we continue on with some um, telegram videos, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about another one of our amazing sponsors here. And that is the band man.
Have you had enough of big pharma and big toxic ingredients? Ditch the harsh chemicals and embrace nature with us. For too long, we have had we have been hypnotized by big companies into using their chemical slop products. The clever marketing campaigns and heavy lobbying allow them to use words like natural to describe products that are anything but. Meet the Vanman Company, where we're all about natural organic remedies. Hop in the van and try our famous tallow and honey balm as a daily face and body moisturizer. Use our miracle tooth powder made from ground, ground eggshell and ground cattle bone to remineralize and naturally whiten your teeth. And try our new coconut magnesium deodorant to keep you smelling fresh all day. We've got you covered and we do it all with the products sourced naturally from American farms and made in San Diego, California. Visit badlandsmedia.tv forward slash vanman today and get free shipping on orders above $40. That's badlandsmedia.tv forward slash van man. It's crazy that we got them as a sponsor because I actually purchased some of that tooth powder. Oh, really? Like months ago. Yeah. Nice. I'm still using it. I like yeah. it. It's decent. Uh, it's actually, they say it remineralizes your teeth. So if you got like, you know, where you start to get little cavities down where your gums meet your mm -hmm. teeth. It'll remineralize that with the uh, the bone and the eggshell that's that's right that's in there apparently. Uh, I like it. I like the stuff. Yeah, I like it too. And, and that that uh, deodorant's probably pretty sweet. Oh too. yeah, magnesium deodorant. Instead of putting <laughs> aluminum up your armpits, you're yeah. gonna put some magnesium. That sounds great. Personally, I use a salt crystal. Nice. It's cheap as heck. It's a giant rock of salt. You just wet it. <laughs> Use it on the old armpits, and it just completely eliminates the stench. It doesn't smell like anything. It doesn't make it smell good. Right. It's just totally eliminates the And it'll last you like 15 years or something like that. Yeah, right? I've had the same one since almost this time last year, and it's like it's shrunk down to like maybe two-thirds the size of what it was when I bought it. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. pretty awesome. <laughs> it'll probably last forever. I'll pass it down to my, my children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let me go ahead and I'm going to pull up my um, uh, Telegram channel. So if you haven't already done so, go ahead and... I was going to uh, say, I was that dog you guys just saw. I'm going to execute the dog if I don't get enough thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> well, you know, it's like just somebody kidding. put in there, say, uh, save Ryan and do, give him a thumbs up. It's like we're going to have to come up with some kind of like saving, you know... Like, I'm going to torture Private this Ryan dog. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> save Ryan's dog. No, seriously. <laughs> no, seriously, y'all, we could really use the thumbs up. Really appreciate it. I see everybody giving their thumbs up here. Go ahead and join the, the fun. If you haven't already done so, really appreciate it. Yeah, truly. All right. So, um, so let's go ahead and we're going to play some cool videos. I, I, do you have any in your I did, catalog uh, Chuck. Did I throw it in the, uh, let me just make sure I actually put it in there. I meant to put it in there, this little bit of uh, Justin Trudeau. I'll, I'll repop it in. Um, the top secret. Oh, uh, what the heck? I swear I, I included it. Uh, my, my intention was to send it to uh, the Vigilant News. Oh, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. I'll, uh, I'll go in there after mine and I'll, I'll watch that one. We'll All right, so if you want to join my Telegram, I'm popping inside the, the channel, the um, uh, chat right now, the Rumble chat, so you can go ahead and take a look at that. I'm sharing some pretty cool content on a regular basis. 
So this is a really interesting one. Shock report, former head officer of regional Ukrainian military recruit office busted with one million in US dollars in shoeboxes. Hmm. You know, I wonder where all that cash is going that we're sending over there. The 60 billion, the hundred billion, all these kind of things. Here's a, here's a video right here. So here we go. This is the video of the shoe boxes of the cash. So, you know, shoe boxes with cash. How does that happen? You know, this isn't just an accident. This is like major cash, major amounts of money here. Now, I don't know how much is there. Somebody may take a guess and put it in the chat if you want to let us know what you think. I'm, I'm guessing somewhere in the probably fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 range. So nothing like you're not going to retire on it, but it's a good amount of money. Definitely enough for a bribe. That way. That's just a couple boxes too. Who knows how many there were. Exactly. And how many of that, how, where did that come from? Did it come from Congress? Did it come from our tax dollars? Mm -hmm. I would. I would bet on that. Absolutely. All right. So you got some breaking news for us? Yeah. So this is coming from Jordan Sather, who is resharing something from Kanakoa the Great. Kanakoa just shared this video alleging that a Russian counterterrorism unit thwarted an assassination attempt on Tucker Carlson while he was in Russia. So uh, here, I'll, I'll just forward it straight to you. We might be able to check out this video as it's circulating. I'm sharing it straight to Vigilant News, actually. Yeah, okay, I found it. Let's see if I can actually get Twitter to work. Of course, we can't get Twitter to work. For some reason, Twitter just flat out refuses to work. But what we can do is I can, um, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to grab the video and then pop it into uh, my telegram here on, on my phone. It's going to take like a couple minutes to make it happen, but I'll go ahead and do that uh, before the show ends, maybe while you're covering some of your stuff. You're finding it? Or yeah, I found it. Uh, we got JDWX saying, you are one of the best couple shows on Badlands. Thank you. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I watch whenever, but for the most part, maybe they do a more evening time slot for y'all. That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, we could. I mean, unfortunately, as far as I know, all of the primetime slots are, are taken up in the evening. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, and you know we we'll, we'd love to, to we we're happy to do any anything we can do on the platform and um it's it, but we did choose one of the, the not so great time slots with respect to people being around to actually yeah. show uh, so but it works for us but yeah, yeah unfortunately all right so let me pop back over to this Shannon Hill channel here on a fantastic channel Justin Deschamps on Telegram so this one's really crazy this is gonna blow your mind. Uh, judge Lewis Kaplan rules Donald Trump was guilty of raping a Jean Carroll. The same judge dismissed Prince Andrew's case where he was accused of raping underage gir girl Virginia uh, Guthrie on Epstein Island. So this is a little very interesting clip. Let's take a listen. Oh, my God. Check this out. Watch this here, Tom. Watch this here, Tom. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Okay, go to other cases he's worked on. Go to go lower. Go lower. Go lower. Go lower. Go lower. Uh, go up a little bit. Uh, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. Hang on, hang on, right there. You will not even believe what I just found. <laughs> Look at the case you worked on. Look for uh, uh, all the way in the bottom of miscellaneous, second line, 2021-2022. He was, Kaplan was presiding judge on mattering oh, relating wow. towards Virginia Gurefrey and Prince Andrew. Click on that on six. Watch what happens here and what happens to the case. Click on the, just click on, that's the one. Click right there, zoom in, and just go to the top. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, Jennifer Andrea reached and I don't know what I'm The case was dismissed by the party stipulation in March 2022 without going to trial. Prince Andrew. So let me get this straight. This case, read the top. Federal Court, Virginia. You know who Virginia, uh, uh, I mean, we just talked Sexually about her, right? traffic girl That's from right. Epstein Island. From Epstein Island, second son of, wow. for sexual assault under court, uh, several uh, sexual encounters with Andrew in the early 2000s at the age of 17 after being sex trafficked by American financier and convicted by sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Dismissed without going to trial, yet Trump's $83.3 million. Wow. Wow. What a freaking fine. Great fine. That is insane. All you got to do is dig a little. There you go. So what does that imply? Well, I can tell you as somebody who studies the law quite extensively, when the law is not applied fairly and consistently, then it's a violation of the principles of the rule of law. And this judge clearly is one of these bought and paid for judges who's tasked with having some cases go through, meaning get dismissed and not really have to worry about the, the people being prosecuted, where others, the person gets the book thrown at them and they get all sorts of totally unjust and flat out concocted um, uh, conclusions being drawn about the case. Anyone who studied the Trump cases that are going on and have been going on for the past year knows that there's no merit to any of these cases, especially the one in New York that just happened where he was fined $385 million. It's total garbage, absolute total garbage. Anyone with, you don't even have to be a lawyer. You just have to have more than uh, an IQ greater than 50 and look at the case yourself to know that there's manipulation happening. So it's just, you know, I wonder what people think like the citizens of Russia when they hear that, uh, you know, they they call Putin like this this mad dog who has no respect for the law, is complete authoritarian. When our government is doing much worse right now for all to see, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that you know that was a great clip because it's remarkable that all that Epstein stuff, nothing really happened, and there was no interest in like going after people. Yet Donald Trump gets one of the craziest fines I've ever heard of. You know, it's it's like, what does that say about our country? Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people on the left are, just cannot think critically enough to mm-hmm. to really uh, understand how how crazy that is. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. So here we got an interesting one. This is, um, I forget his name, but Millet, the guy in... Millet, Javier Millet. Uh, yeah, Javier Millet. He just... Uh, and meeting Trump. Oh, okay, that's what this is. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so we'll just play it quick. President! Thank you so much. Thank you for working for me. 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 Thank you for working
you went to the World Economic Forum or you met with somebody or something like that. But yeah, but if you, you listen know. to what he said, it was just like when Trump went to the World Economic Forum. So exactly. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So I'm going to finish a couple more of these videos and then we'll hear from another one of our wonderful sponsors. This one is crazy. So I'm just going to play the video and then we'll talk about it. Question, I guess. I. Um, yes, I have a, a question, I guess, either for, for the patron or if there's anyone in the room who can answer it. I'm just curious if we know the number of individuals who'd be uh, eligible right out of the gate, because I think I just heard of maybe a number that was different from one that I had I had I, received earlier. I, I think the number was far greater under the original bill, but the, the, the estimate I saw, and, I, and it wasn't from the Department of Corrections, was less than 400 would apply under the, the, the redefined uh, bill. Okay, and just fo follow up, but the number I received from Department of Corrections was um, over 1,300 individuals, um, 700 who had been convicted of first degree murder, uh, 325 who had been convicted of rape. So I'm not sure um, what the discrepancy in the numbers is, but those, would love to get an answer. have come from the Department of Corrections, I'm not in a position to argue with that. I'm not in a position to argue with that. Uh, is there any other further clarification? Again, this is a all right. So it's a little hard to follow, but basically what they're talking about is a bill that's specifically designed to help release 701 first degree murders, murderers, 325 rapists, 77 second degree murderers, 566 offenders convicted of abduction. 762 offenders convicted of robbery. So we're basically talking about like serious criminals. We're not talking about somebody who got busted with a joint or, you know, somebody who like, you know, he was 17 and, and the, the girl was 16 and they, you know, he's got convicted of statutory rape or anything like that. We're talking about serious criminals, people who have, you know, arguably have a career doing so. Why are they just releasing these people out? And what I wrote is this is part of an economic and societal destabilization agenda of the globalists. If you're familiar with Martin Armstrong, Martin Armstrong has a fantastic ability to predict market trends. And one of the things that he says is that real economic destabilization, like that leads to inflation, is really about destroying the population's confidence in their ability to invest in their local economies and markets because there's crime everywhere. Why is it that they want to have crime bills where the average person can't walk around with a gun and protect his own assets? It's because it makes it extremely difficult for you to run a business where you can't protect your own assets. And it, it destabilizes the economy. It also destabilizes confidence inside, um, inside the government and the current administration in power. So, you know, what do we have happening here? We have the cabal making valiant efforts to put Trump, to get Trump off of the the, um, the the ticket here in 2024. They're failing. They are not, most likely Trump is going to be on the, the ticket. He is most likely going to win the election because as much as they're going to want to cheat, they can't cheat as much as they need to, to get him in. Most likely, I'm making a wager now. So that means that what I think they're preparing for is the eventuality that they're going to have to deal with another Trump administration. And so what they're doing is they're pulling out their big economic and societal destabilization efforts so that they can cause society to go spiral down into the pits. And then they're going to blame it on Trump 
and they're going to do other things with that. And I, this is clearly, in my opinion, this is clearly why the immigration situation is ha has been so crazy. You've got over 8 million immigrants, some of whom aren't even from this part of the world, some of whom are from China, you know, Iran, all these different other countries, because they're, they're preparing for something. They're preparing for some massive kind of destabilization event, and they're going to try to take down, in my opinion, Trump and other things with that. So, um, all right, so there you go. There, This is a clip of the farmers. I'm not going to play it because we played a bunch earlier, but these guys, they're just like, look, these cops are like trying their damnest to stop the farmers, and the farmers are just like, yeah, we're going to blast, blast your ass anyway. We don't care. So that's really cool. Uh, this is that video we saw earlier about Novani's death, most likely being from a blood clot, at least according to that news source. This is a great clip from uh, Laura Logan. I'll just play a little bit of it, but basically to summarize, what she says is that there, there is a sophisticated media apparatus that can kill you without killing you, that can destroy your reputation so badly that you can't practice as a doctor, that you can no longer practice law as a lawyer, that you can no longer conduct science or engage in the university um, research system or any research system because they can destroy your reputation so sufficiently. And she is testifying, this is from a clip apparently from today where she's at a, um, an event, uh, I think it's, yeah, Senator Ron Johnson, so uh, I'll actually go ahead and play just a little bit of it, but just to get you, that's what the clip is about and what she's going on. So here we go. You said you've been targeted over the last 10 years. <clears throat> Can you describe what precipitated your targeting? Yes, I'm reporting the truth about Benghazi. I was attacked by one of those NGOs that masquerades as a nonpartisan watchdog in violation of its 5013C status. It occupies a highly partisan position. I'm talking about Media Matters for America. I'm sure there's many doctors in this room, scientists who've been attacked by the same people. Um, the same people that run that, David Brock, for example, another political assassin, now runs an organization called Facts First USA, which is designed to make sure that your research, Dr. Hazan, never reaches never reaches the people or the public. There are other organizations like Defeat Disinfo, which claims to be a PAC that goes after disinformation, particularly set up to target COVID and throughout COVID with General Stanley McChrystal and the other people that advise that organization. But what, you know, Senator Johnson, it's not a secret that these organizations exist. What is not widely known and talked about is that it's paid for by us. It's paid for by the taxpayers in your omnibus spending bills that get shoved through the House and the Senate against the will of the people of this country. They are, there are cutouts for these NGOs. And what they do is they launder this money, they pass it from one NGO to the next, and in the name of preventing the spread of disinformation, they censor, silence, intimidate, and punish. I All right. So there you right go. The answer. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you just going to tell her that and be like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's so well informed. That, I mean, she's she is a powerhouse. All right. So, so I sent you a. Oh, you got more. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So this one, I'm, I'm just not going to uh, play necessarily any of it, but it talks about how there's only half a dozen or something like that chemicals that are banned from a cosmetics perspective. So, and when I say cosmetics, I'm not necessarily meaning women's makeup. I mean like hand lotion, you know, th things that anybody could potentially use. There's only six chemicals. There's only 12 chemicals, something like that. 
And what that means is that there is extremely toxic chemical warfare effectively being waged on our bodies right now. I mean, earlier we were talking about those uh, aero uh, fresheners, uh, aero tags. And I wasn't kidding. Like those Glade things that you plug into the wall, that Lysol that you spray after you go to the bathroom, all these different chemical cleaners, these Lysol wipes you use to wipe down your counters, the Tide that you use to clean your clothes. It's all loaded with endocrine disruptors, bio-warfare agents designed to make you sick over the course of long periods of time that cr create all sorts of problems for you. So, you know, what's disturbing is that in this video, she talks about how they did a study and they they sampled some of the the uh, the fluid that it was in the amniotic tube of recently born children. I believe that's what it was from. And they found over 217 toxic chemicals within that fluid. So that means that pregnant mothers who don't, again, you know, no, no, nobody wants to hurt their kid. But if you're not wise, if you're not realizing that you're living in a massive bio-warfare chemical soup society, which we absolutely live in, then you are accidentally poisoning your own children from within the womb. That's how serious the situation is. So that, anyway, that's what that video is all about. I'll let you guys watch that on your own. That's actually the last one I have. So let's go ahead and move over to uh which you put in your personal channel uh yeah i just popped that last the one of jacob rothschild this video is a classic i don't remember when i, I saw it like at least 10 years ago nice it was uh, a video just like we showed of david rockefeller being accosted at a chilean airport back in the day where the guy's like you're a traitor to chile and rothschild's like ah. <laughs> this is something similar happening to jacob rothschild outside of an event somewhere where he was accosted by one of the, the goyim. <laughs> the goyim <laughs> so, right. uh, so. By the way, if you haven't already done so, I popped Ryan's Telegram channel link inside the chat. Go ahead and sign up for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, greatly appreciated. Yep. Here we go. Let's take a look at this bad boy. Can you tell us what went on at the Bilderberg meeting this year? Sorry? Can you tell us what went on at the Bilderberg meeting this year? I didn't get that, actually, no. The Bilderberg? You weren't there? No. Not this year. What went on uh, last year? No, I wasn't there last year. Wasn't I, last I year. think that was my cousin. Your cousin was there? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Okay. okay. Do you have a couple minutes for us, Mr. Rothschild? We have a few additional questions. I was, I was asking a question inside of because I was saying that the, uh, the Federal Reserve was one of these organizations. <laughs> one of these organizations that a lot of people say is a source of the because it's a private thing that was started by your family. No, no, it's completely, uh, completely, completely untrue. I was asked that earlier. It really isn't true. Is that's that 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 you know, your family committed all these acts against society, but we just want to let you know that that we as a people are not afraid and we are waking up to the robber barons and the big banks who are looting right. the economy with the Federal Reserve. Well. Okay. <laughs> what a ghoul. I know, right? I'm actually surprised ghoul. he had talked to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be that Jacob Rothschild has like no role to play. And it's just like so built out now that these each generation gets less and less involved. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Right. I used to think this guy was like the tip of the pyramid, but maybe he's just some old man who doesn't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. It's hard to say. Absolutely. But uh, that was a classic clip. We also mm-hmm. have uh, a clip in the Vigilant News Telegram. Okay. Uh, if you go to, it's above that Kanakoa thing we talked about. Okay. Uh, here we go. So you got Justin Trudeau in oh, Poland. Man. Talking about authoritarian populism. Take a listen to Listen this. to this word salad. I'm not going to talk about internal European dynamics, but I will say that in all of our democracies, in every democracy around the world, we are seeing uh, a rising uh, movements of uh, either uh, authoritarian populism uh, or uh, skepticism about democracy itself. Uh, And we all need to recommit ourselves to standing up, not just for Ukraine, but through standing up for Ukraine to the very principles that make our countries strong and free. Um, It is a time where uh, citizens cannot take their democracies for granted, need to continue to be there, uh, to lean in, not just on being worried about uh, their Uh, daily challenges, which are significant everywhere around the world right now, but making sure we are building peace, stability, and prosperity for future generations as well. And that means standing up unequivocally for the international rules-based order, standing for democracy against authoritarianism, against illegal invasions of another country's sovereignty. These are principles that uh, are under discussion in every country around the world, and I know that the two of us are standing unequivocally alongside so many others in favor of the peace and prosperity that ensures a better future for everyone. Yeah, as long as you're following the international rules-based order. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and and avoiding that authoritarian populism, like, what the hell is that term? What is he talking about? Yeah, I would love, like, a glossary of what he means by these terms, because I guarantee you they're not one necessarily you might think. It's Certainly just, democracy. This like, guy's entire job is to sanitize things and try to mm-hmm. make it sound like, I don't know, yeah, like not totally oppressive. But you know, think about it. There's nothing like authoritarian populism. The, the population is ruled by the population, right? Like right. you have a candidate that the population is actually behind. How is that authoritarian? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just trust the international think tank class to make all of the decisions in the world of the rules based international order, <laughs> whatever the fuck <laughs> it is. It's just, it's yeah. like, what a crack of shit. Ba- yeah. I mean, it's like if, if the rules based international order is an, an aspect of authoritarianism, which is the thing that the term is term, then I don't know what is. But to your point, what, what definition of democracy is he using when? A populist leader like Trump is somehow verboten and he can't, he's not qualified to rule when the whole point of democracy, as we know it and we were taught, was that it's by, of, and for the people. So crazy. What a crock indeed, Miss Missy Brash <laughs> in the chat there. All right. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and hear from our last sponsor of the day here. Have you guys tried Flying Gang Rum yet? Crafted in the Sunshine State. Flying Gang Rum is meticulously produced from pure Florida sugarcane, aged to perfection in ex-bourbon barrels and then select cask finish. A rum so pure, it comes with no added sugar, 
colors or artificial flavorings. That's right, folks. This is pure rum. They're on a mission to change how we perceive shipping rum. To Florida, it's what wine is to Napa, bourbon to Kentucky, and whiskey to Tennessee. This iconic rum is all about elevating the connoisseur's experience, capturing the rich history and unique character of handcrafted rum. Right now, Badlanders get $10 off of every bottle with promo code BADLANDS. So head over to badlandsmedia.tv slash rum today and use the promo code BADLANDS to take advantage of this great deal. All right. And we will close out the show by talking about the book of the month. (laughs) (laughs) The Israel Lobby. Now, some of you folks who think that Israel should just have an endless go-ahead and be able to do whatever it wants, negating any kind of rules that are in place. Uh, even you will find value in this book because it does kind of go to show you how uh, special interest groups really kind of dominate Washington. And there is no special interest group as powerful as the Israel lobby, as this book lays out. It is by a man, Stephen M. Walt, who I'm not familiar with, but Pro- Professor John Mearsheimer, who is, is awesome. He's been on uh, Glenn Greenwald's program several times in the last few months, very articulate, very knowledgeable on the history of this conflict. And uh, I I find it to be quite an interesting read. It was originally meant to be in uh, a series of articles for the Atlantic. They got the original manuscript and said, hell no, we're not publishing this. (laughs) And I mean, if you read it, you'll understand why. However, it is one of the most well-sourced books beyond uh, JFK's uh, or R.K. Jr.'s The Real Anthony Fauci. That book is has tons of sources. But look at this. The, this all of this here is just sourcing. It's like almost half the book. Yeah. So I mean, massive. it's it's massive. It's a it's a great achievement, and you know, keeps you learn to care to learn more about the Israel Lobby, one of the most powerful special interest groups in Washington. Check out that book. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, um, for those of you who are asking, uh, this is my good, my give, send, go that dealing with the health issue I had. Thank you guys so much for the show of support. Like truly, my wife and I are just absolutely blown away. We cannot thank you enough for the support, the prayers, the love, the well wishes. It means so much to us. Like really, I really appreciate it. I also want to let everybody know to go ahead and check out Ryan's new article. It just dropped today. And that is Exploiting the Dead. Uh, Ryan did a deep dive on a good chunk of this, but there's a whole bunch more in there. It's about Alexei Navalny. No, I don't think I'm pronouncing it right. Navalny, okay. Alexei Navalny. I was calling him Navalny. No, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Navalny, Navalny, Navalny. (laughs) So, yeah, check that out. It's an awesome piece. Um, Also, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. We could really appreciate it. We got about 2,100 people watching right now. We would greatly appreciate the thumbs up. If we don't get enough thumbs up, you know what has to happen? It's not good. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) Seriously, though, really good. Appreciate your thumbs up and your support. And with that, thank you so much for watching the show. Thank you for all of everything you guys are doing. Remember, this is our big year. We're going to take back freedom. We're going to show them who's boss. And we're all going to do it together as a community. So much love. And we'll see you next time on Vigilant News. Looking for more ways to support Badlands Media? Head over to badlandsmedia.tv and click on the Support Badlands button. 
or go straight to badlandsmedia.tv forward slash boost. You can now give a Badlands boost, just like a Rumble rant, only better. Support your favorite shows with a boost anytime, even if you're not watching live. Your donation will go directly to Badlands with no middleman. Stop America for its companies at the Badlands shop. With every purchase, you'll be supporting Badlands Media and an America First business. Don't forget to be... Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video. And a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media.